You want to go on? You're good. It's very wonderful. So, yeah, there's an opportunity for giving above and beyond, should you feel led, you know. Um, I'm looking into some myself, and especially after the last few weeks that we've had, I've been stretched and trusting God for some stuff. So we'll see what happens. Disciples already give, right? It's like paying, you know, you pay. See? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I, I knew there was one thing that came to me during the service. Um, Bishop Oscar, who you keep hearing about, we yes. must show you a video of him because his vision and everything is awesome. Ten percent is your normal tithe, right? That's what you give to the church. Eleven percent is generosity. So anything above the ten percent, which is your normal, eleven percent is generosity. I consider that sponsoring a child in Lemuru or you know the school there—that's generosity. That's going to be over and above what Derek and I give or any of us. So go for it. Thank you. I was getting ready to preach that sermon, and then, thank you. Now he's going to be really frustrated, because I was going to ask, uh, <laughs> thank you, Bob. Everybody. I tell you, I love, you know what's been happening at Harmony? I, I love what, what uh, what's your name again, Corey? Uh, what he said. That's how I feel. You know, there is a place for us where churches are dysfunctional as we don't find our place. And uh, so we think it's optional. We think it's like going to Walmart. Maybe today I'll go to Walmart. Tomorrow I'll go to Kmart. But anyway, it, but it's not that way. We're part of the body. So that's another, that's a sermon. What I was wondering about was over the last few weeks, if the Spirit has spoken something strongly to you that you'd be willing to share, I want to open the floor for that, for maybe three people max, okay? Because I actually did prepare a sermon today. <laughs> I was hoping to get out of it. If Corey would have just kept preaching, I would have gotten, and then I would have had it for next week. But um, seriously, if the Spirit has spoken to someone, and this is not about, I'm just trying to be nice here, it's not about your, you know, anniversary or, uh, you know, you got a windfall, you won the lottery, thank you, make sure you tie to this church, but that's not what I'm talking about. If the Spirit has spoken to you over the last few weeks, especially last week, how many of you had any kind of response listening to Gary and Melissa over the weekend, right? Amen. I mean, it was hard to sit there and not have your wheels going around like crazy and sense the work of the Spirit. So, ma'am, you have to use this. That's why. I um, almost didn't make the uh, again, summit, whatever. We, what do you want to call it last weekend? The conference? What are you going to call it? Whatever. Free. Anyway, I didn't make it Friday night, and I almost didn't make it Saturday because I had another commitment. But Randy was like, come late. So I did. And um, here I'm just going to, I'm giving a testimony that here I think that because my back is an issue, God can't use me. So um, I um, here came, sat over here. My back was bugging me. I was up, down, up, down, up, down. But I got a lot of information from Gary. And like I told Pastor, it's like what he says, I could have had a V8. I mean, some of the things he said were so commonsensical. Well, I volunteered at another church this past week in their Bible school. And um, an old, old friend from like, gosh, 20 years ago, 
shared with me that her son is struggling with this. And um, I just broke me apart. And I was able to share everything with her. And in my notes, I literally was texting my notes because I had seven pages of notes. And I'm glad you put the thing in the um, bulletin because I'm going to screenshot it and send it to her. And uh, I just, here I am, God's using me again. And I'm so thankful because I think I can't be used. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else feel like that? Thank you. Very cool. Convergence. I want to tell everybody about an answer to prayer. Uh, the pray for one, my prayer for one, was for people to come forward. Three weeks ago we had that. And last week ago, we, last week we had it again. And the feeling here is the Lord working. And if anybody doesn't feel it or doesn't know it, come talk to us. We can help you because we all need that. And if, like I say, if you don't have it, please, we, uh, we all need it. Thank you. I know this lady's very shy, so try to be very nice to her. Um, I haven't been in in the service in a few weeks, so I've missed it. But I want to tell you two things. One thing is that... um, The things that we do in our small group, and I'm talking to my small group, it's awesome. Thank you so much for um, blessing us. The second is um, God heals. My brother fell, y'all know, and had his hip, his new hip come out of the joint. He's better than he was, (laughs) which is awesome, awesome. And my sister, too, who had an emergency appendectomy. We've been going through it in my family, so uh, thank you all. I am confident that whatever God puts in front of us, we're not going to fall under. We're going to stand, and we're going to be a better person because God gave us power to stand against it. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Kathy. I'll let one more slide. Uh, Kathy, does your uh, small group have anything to do with people opening up and being real? Oh, yes. At Harmony? Are you sure? Okay. Just checking. Anyone else? Otherwise, I'm going. Uh-oh. I am going to say this about Ben. I could go on for five hours about Ben, but I won't. The work that the Spirit has done in him because of the scare is real. Your turn. Hey. All right. Yes, microphone. Um, yes, and I'll give you... I got, I got two minutes. Got it. Go. <laughs> Um, everybody pretty much in the church knows about the scare with uh, the surgery and the heart and everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've talked. I've shared this story. I'm excited about this story. I think it's a cool way of God being glorified. And there's nothing that I can take credit for. But, um, you know, because there's been kind of an awakening, um, I've had to kind of go and, and get some guidance on some things. Um, and... 
one of the things was um, this whole broken thing. And it's not broken like on the floor, broken like a horse. And you never fully, you know, a horse can never fully reach his potential unless it's been broken. Well, I think it's the same with the Christian life. We yep. never reach our potential if we are going to continue to fight God and going to continue to try to do things our own way. <clears throat> so this is a new thing for me because I'm a control guy. You guys know that. And, you know, my pride and my arrogance my whole life has kept me from allowing myself to be broken. Well, God stripped that from me. You know, I, I guess... Uh, I couldn't do it on my own, so he did it. But um, I'm sorry. Part of this healing thing is emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> the doctor said I would cry. <laughs> I cry anyway. But um, part of this part of this process is that um, of being broken is I have to go back and I have to uh, fix a few things. And admit some wrongs. So, uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be going on an apology tour. <laughs> and there's some people I need to speak with here at the church. Yep. Um, and uh, I just want, whether you accept the apologies or not, whether or not um, it changes anything, it's not, it's because I have to do this, because God told me to. So, uh, if I grab a hold of you and say, hey, I want to talk to you, you know what's coming. <laughs> and the list is long. <laughs> but um, I'm so thankful for a God that, that heals. You know, Kathy just came up here and, you know, with her brother, our small group. It has been real, man. If you're not talking and you're not with a small group of people who you can open your heart to and break down, you know, um, I... I I'm preaching, and I just can't help it. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited what God is doing in our group. I'm excited what He's doing with friends. I'm excited what He's doing at the church, um, and um, we're gonna just start this off. So, That's awesome. I'm, uh, That's awesome. you know, so if I if I, I grab to tell what you said to me, what I said to you, yeah, yeah, I can say you that. Have to. I can say it because it was just my pride once again just jumped in the way. Um, a few months back, I was we were and. Pastor John and I have uh, connected from the first day he got here, from the first week. We've spent motorcycle rides together, hanging out, restaurants, whatever. I'm telling you everything. <laughs> no, but uh, we have a connection, and I love it. One couple, I guess maybe it was even last year, year before, whatever it was. One of these Sundays, we were walking in the thing, and I, and I said, hey, John. And he turned around and said, it's Pastor John. And I got so insulted and indignant. I was in the car on the way home telling my wife, how, you know, how dare he, you know, who is that? You know, what is, what is this that he just you know, comes off like that? And I, you know, and it was my arrogance and my pride, like, how dare he speak to me like that? Well, you know, I had a friend this week and uh, we went for lunch. And one of the things we talked about, Tim, was uh, he says, well, when kind of, when we're, you're at work and you had friends for 20 years and, and we talked about it, you know, because... And I said, well, they called me Sergeant. They've known me for 20 years. They never called me Benny. They called me Sergeant because that was my title at work. So I had to come back and say, listen, man, I, you know what? I apologize to you this morning because 
I didn't say it to anybody here. I said it to my wife, and my wife gets a lot. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I had to actually say, you know, Pastor John, I'm sorry for number one disrespecting who he is, the pastor of this church, and that that deserves respect. That is not something that we should take lightly. And I took it as just, you know, how dare he speak to me like that, you know. So there are little things, and there's some things, there's some big things that I have to deal with with some people here. But uh, that was you said, yeah, but you said come up here and tell you, so I came up here and told you. You did tell me. Look. Love you. Now I So, how many people's hackles went up when they heard that? What kind of an egotist is this guy? Now, some of your hackles went up. You won't be honest about it, but they did. Hackles, like... <laughs> you know, you're, you're, the hair went up on your neck. You're like, who does he think he is, right? You need to understand, the only reason I said that to Ben was it was spiritual training. I said it on purpose. First of all, I'll just give you my general opinion. The ministry, in general, is so disrespected today in America, we don't need more of it, especially in our own folks. I don't want my kids being disrespectful to you as an adult, and I don't think we need to learn more disrespect. I don't need to be called Pastor John or Reverend Doctor, even though I am. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. And, and Ben does call me John quite a bit. That's fine. But there was a moment, there was, a, there was something I was pushing back on at that moment. It finally came to fruition. That spirit is in most of us. In fact, I think if I may prophesy for a moment, that represents the spirit of harmony. We know it. We're better. We get it. Don't tell me what to do. We're, we're sick spiritually. We're not healed yet. He's working on us. Blessed be God. He is stirring among us. It's up to us whether we will respond or not. Now, did what I just say get your hackles up? Can I use it now? <laughs> the word hackles. Did it? Yeah, well, pray about it. Okay? So my point is, and by the way, some, some of us are, did you say yes? Because you're new. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, not so much with new, right? New people have been gathering among us, and, and uh, they may not understand some of our history, and that's okay. But God is trying to do a new, fresh, real work at Harmony. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, instead of an outward structure and a facade of being Christian, really being Christian. And I think that's why Gary and, and Melissa had such an impact on us last week was because he was talking about that kind of reality. So, by the way, if I did get your hackles up and you're perturbed with me, what's your job? Thank you. Come and tell me why I'm wrong. And I'd be glad to apologize, because that's something I do. If I'm wrong, I need to make it right. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. We want to bless you, King Jesus, that you are striving with this place. We talk about people getting real. We talk about people serving. I think about our new disciples, Carol and Danny, who 
came because of the food pantry. She's, they've already jumped in and served. They're like normal people. So cool. And Lord, we want to see that. We all have an assignment. We have a connection with the body. And Lord, somehow today I'm asking for the reality of what, what I'm trying to convey, what's in my heart, what's been brooding over me, this whole convergence over the last like three to four months in my spirit, that, that somehow I can download that to your people. That your little ones, and especially your little flock, will be built up in their most holy faith. And that our understanding of you first and your ways might be increased. Lord, you say in the scripture, your ways are past finding out. And some of us sometimes don't put a lot of energy into trying to find it out. Help us to seek you. And understand your ways. And those of us who are in the room that are hungry today, and Lord, you know, the Apostle John said, nothing makes me more happy than to see my children walking in the truth. And Lord, I believe that, I feel that, and when I see the little flock hungering and thirsting after righteousness and choosing to serve and stepping up, nothing makes me more happy than that. Brings me joy. And Lord, I... It's more important. It brings you joy. So in the name of Jesus, help us. One of the things I was going to say to my brothers and sisters is it's been fun to see this movement of people stepping up to serve, which is the normal believing disciples' life. Increase their tribe. Help us to have understanding today. Help spiritual realities settle into our spirits. Lord, you are the one who makes us stand. As Kathy mentioned earlier, we're, uh, you don't drop us. We can actually lean on the everlasting arms. You're a good God. We bless you and worship you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Well, today I want to kind of review because um, I don't think I finished a sermon for three weeks easy. And uh, so I have to pack all that I've missed into the next 20 minutes. That I'm, I'm joking. A little. So, we're talking about faith factor. And what I'm doing is I'm launching off of what um, our values were about that Pastor Tim preached while I was away. Upward, inward, outward. Remember that? Upward, inward, outward. Upward is seeing God. And we talked about seeing God. And going way back I want to repack. If you're a note taker, I had repack. There's like take it out of the box from the weeks past and look at it and put it back in the box. Okay, so let's repack it. Let's look at what we already said. Remember Gehazi, the guy who was trapped in the city with the prophet? And he says, we're doomed. Look at this army around me. And God miraculously answers Elisha's prayer to open his eyes and he sees the angelic warriors Greater are they that are with us than those that are against us, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? If we're on God's team, then he's fighting for us. Anybody want to say amen to that? I'm having trouble believing it, Pastor John. Well, welcome to the real world. We all have trouble believing it. But God opens Gehazi's eyes and he sees it. That is some of normalcy, is starting to see God. Too many times, and I have shared this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to harp, but we are saturated in unbelief. God is not real to us. 
practicing the presence of God, Brother Lawrence, it's a classic, you can read it, learning to concentrate and think about. Every time I get in the car, coming here today was one of them. We were late. I made it in time to do a baptism, thank you, Jesus. But it was tight. We can get up tight and cranky. Anybody? You know, you know that when you're late, some real character is going to pull out in front of you and just go, <laughs> and it's usually like this. <laughs> I mean, life doesn't get any better, man, once you <laughs> down the road. And it's like, oh, please. Sorry, you don't have a sense of humor. Okay. Practicing the presence of God suddenly. Deep cleansing breath, right, ladies? Deep cleansing breath. Hey, I went through all five of them with her. I did. I did. Watch my fingers. One, two, three. If you don't know what we're talking about, you wait. You'll find out. Anyway. God's got this. He's got it. Do I see God or is he gone? I better take matters into my own hands. I see so much of that here. I, I'm going to be speaking to some people, too. It's, it, I'll, I may have to apologize to a few. But I see so much of our flesh trying to control things and bully people and tell people what to do. Leave God alone. Let him do the job. He's at work. Upward seeing God. So last time we talked about Achan. You remember the name Achan? Anybody remember? Joshua takes Jericho. Whoo, this is easy stuff, man. Walls fall down. Nobody gets killed on our team. We win. Hey, this little town AI, no problem. We can clean that up. Just send up a few thousand people. You know, we'll psh, nothing to it. They run away. Why? Because Achan doesn't see God as real. So he steals. You remember that. And the way God says it, and this is what, I always get angry when I think about it. Nobody was supposed to die in battle. One man would chase ten. A hundred men would chase it. Right, you've read it. You know what I'm talking about. No one was supposed to die. Thirty-six fathers did not come home to their children because of Achan's greed. Because he couldn't see God. God isn't able to meet my needs, so I'm going to take care of it myself. God doesn't see what I just did. And here's the worst part. Let me just remind you of what it said in Joshua 7.1. I haven't had you turn to a text yet. That's coming later. The sons of Israel acted unfaithfully. Achan took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Here's the other thing he didn't see. He didn't see God, and he didn't see himself. He didn't see that my action impacts everybody else. And when we're one in Christ, which we are, then your disobedience is impacting me, like it or not. One of you is probably the reason I've had so many sleepless nights at Harmony. (laughs) And I don't even know who it is. That's a little humor there, but not totally. You see what I mean? We think, oh, I can do whatever I want. That's the attitude of America. We're, we've trained two generations that it's all about me. That's all that matters is that I'm happy. Really? Aiken was happy for about 12 hours. Then he was dead. 
So the idea that there's no consequences, I think about it. I've moved into a, a, a condo. We love where we're living, by the way. Condos have homeowners associations. Homeowners associations make rules to make life better for everybody. One of the rules is clean up after your doggy. But it's like, I don't want to. It's too hard for me, so I'm not going to do it. And then I come along, squish. Hasn't happened there yet, but it has happened in the past. (laughs) And everybody knows what that's like. You see, your right to do your thing ends where my nose begins. That's just generally true. We don't have right. Everything that we do has an impact on everything else, whether it's the environment, whether it's our behaviors, whatever it happens to be. But the point is, in the spiritual realm, if we don't see God and we don't take him at his word, we think, I can do whatever I want. I can come to church. I can be participant. I can be just an observer. I can show up once six months. I can do whatever. And there's no impact on anybody else. You're wrong. There is, because you can't see what's going on in the spirituals. I always wonder, when we get to heaven, what we're going to see? We're going to go, oi. You think, you want to know why the Bible says he will wipe away all tears? You're going to be seeing how much you missed out on. I know I'm going to. Oh, God, I can't believe that. We always think it's all about all the suffering I've been through. No, I don't think so. No, that's part of it. But he's going to wipe away all tears, and we're going to have reason for it. There are consequences. Here's a verse. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put this first part on the screen, but everybody recognizes this verse. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Remember that one? Piercing as far as division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what that book can do in your life if you will make yourself available and say, show me, show me wonderful things out of your word, Lord. You all say, well, you get, your job is to feed me. No, your job is to feed. Can I, can I opine for a second? Yes. Shepherds don't take sheep out to the field and shove their face in the grass. Eat! Eat that! Stupid sheep, eat that! I'm not getting fed. Whose problem is that? Sorry, I just couldn't help myself. The word will grow you. You've got to engage with it. Put the, put the daily bread aside and dive into the Bible and see what happens. Okay, that was my opine. I'm done. Now, here's the verse that follows. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Here it is. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open, naked, laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. (laughs) You're in, baby. You're receiving grace. You don't have to worry. You're moving on to normalcy, which is where we all need to go. Moving on. No creature hidden from his sight. So we need to see God for who he is. And we need to see ourselves. That's your first point, to see ourselves for who we are as the people of God. So we need to look inward. That's the next thing, is looking inward, seeing ourselves. Look at how this guy missed it. I'm going to go back to Joshua chapter 7. This is unpacking what we already did. 
real quick, because I never got to this verse. Joshua said to Achan, my son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord. Isn't that a great line? Give glory to God. We need to think about this for a second. Nobody's figured out what, what does he mean, give glory to God? My son, I implore... Now, Achan knows he's about to go... Because that's how things were back then, you know? You, you take the Lord's name in vain. Think of how many of us would be dead. Violate the set. Anyway, my son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Don't hide it from me. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord. Who did he sin against? The Lord and his brothers. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. And then he goes into the whole thing. Confess. Confess. Agree with God. Say the same thing. I'm going to put up in a minute the most wonderful mental health verse in the Bible. I've told you that a million, well, a half a million times. First John 1 John 1.9, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess. Joshua says to Achan, come clean. What did you do? Here's what the word means. Confess. That word right there. Homologeo. Admit. Agree with. Say the same thing. Here's a great word. Concede. Concede that you stepped in it up to your neck. Concede. Quit putting up defenses. Oh, I'm off the hook. Admit it. Don't deny it. Openly declare. All of those. You look up the Greek, you'll see those are the exact translations of that word. Don't deny it. Come clean. Admit it. Openly declare. Agree with God on this. Some have taught scripture years ago. It simply means to agree with God. But think of what I just said. Agreeing with God means conceding that I'm wrong and he's right. What happened when Achan did what he did? 36 men didn't come home. Joshua tears his clothes. The elders tear their clothes. They're weeping before God. Oh, my God has left us. He's left us. We're doomed. Now the, now the nations are going to kill us. Sorry, I, I shifted into a drama mode there. This is not about that. This is about truth. We're, we're doomed. Where are you? What about your great name? I love God's response. Get up. Knock it off. There's a problem here. Concede. Admit. Agree with me. I didn't kill those men. You did. Wow. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad you're a New Testament Christian, not the old? If you were Achan, you'd go see Jesus right away. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. It's just not true. And then it says, if we confess, if we concede, if we admit, if we stop the baloney, 
and just get real. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you understand that what happened there was there was a negative impact on the body. Your sin is having a negative impact on the body now. Oh, mine isn't that big. Look, we all have it. Thank God for grace, right? Thank God that those of us who earnestly want him to clean us up. But when we're resisting, when we're stubborn, when we're right and you're wrong, it's having an impact. But here's the, the cool part. I've said this one other time. If we come clean, if we confess our sin, then God doesn't get blamed with the consequences. How smeared the church has been. Think of the news over the last five decades even. Uh, whatever denomination. All the dirt. In the, we hide it. I'm not letting go of my pulpit. but I think of men that have been caught, their public ministry, and they, they're not going to back down. It's like they're just shaming God. They're destroying the work of God in those churches and what have you. And it's like we won't come clean. We won't admit. I've totally botched up here. If we confess, then God doesn't get blamed with the consequences because we're agreeing this wasn't his fault. This was our fault. This wasn't his fault. This is our fault. So my brother over here is going to go follow up on collateral damage. I'll bet you every one of us in the room have some follow up on. I have some follow up on collateral damage. What can we get right? When we confess, when we come clean, doesn't matter how they respond, doesn't matter if they don't forgive us, you've done what's right before God so the consequences don't lay on God's reputation. It's my fault, not his. So, my thoughts have been going around, and I'm going to close and save the second half of the message for next week, okay? We had, um, I might read the text and then let it hang. Is that okay? Can I do that? But here's what I've been thinking about. You know, the Spirit's been stirring with us. Gary and Melissa came and told some amazing truths about bands of brothers and sisters and sharing with each other and coming clean. Anybody remember the one that Melissa mentioned where she was attracted to somebody and she has a band of brother sister who got in her face and said, I want you to stop and think about where this is going to end. When you lose everything, is that where you want to go? Where are those kind of brothers and sisters? Rise up then, right? I'm not talking about being a busybody know-it-all and sticking your nose in with people that you have no ground with. But what about people that we love and we have connection? And I, I've, been, I've been noticing something. Can we talk? Tim, can we talk? Tim blessed me this last week, came and he said, you know what? Holy Spirit showed me this, this. He's telling me stuff because I, I guess somewhere along the line I poked on something. You have the advantage. I'm so old I don't remember anything, so... It's kind of cool, though, to, to see my brother Tim. He's in ministry, wrestling and growing and expanding. I'm still growing. I'm still finding out stuff about myself. If you've stopped growing, the mold is getting kind of smelly, actually. I've been thinking about that. I was thinking about Bishop Oscar that uh, Carolyn mentioned, and he inspired us so much. And he made a statement like this. He said, the problem, and I've said it before, the problem is not the harvest. 
churches are excusing themselves for their deadness and their lack of growth, nobody coming to faith and all that. Oh, it's the culture, it's the nuns, it's the duns, it's Gen XD 1723BFG, whatever it is, you know, what gen it is. It's them, they don't think like a normal person anymore, whatever. Really? Jesus said, and I think his words are eternal, the harvest is plentiful. It's ready. What's the next line? The laborers are few. Laborers. As soon as you hear it, oh, I'm so tired already. I don't want to labor. That's not what we're talking about. You know, people, good, good church people, like, I got to take on another job. No, please. You actually should probably dump half of what you're doing. Do the best thing. Who are the laborers? Who are the ones that are going to respond? I'll tell you, people who are real, who know what it's like to get free. You know, I came across that in my reading way back in the book of Deuteronomy. How do we do our job? It's very simple. When you're raising kids, it said, when your kids ask you, how come we keep all these rules and we do the, the uh, Passover lamb and all of that? How come we do this? You tell them this. I was a slave in Egypt. And the Lord delivered me, and that's why today I still obey the Lord my God. That's my paraphrase, but that's what they said. And that's your message, too, if you're really born again. I was a slave to what we heard last, homosexuality. I was a slave to sexual addiction. I was a slave to drugs. I was a slave to pride. I was a slave to bitterness, resentment, crabbiness, vanity, I'm better than them. I was a slave to greed. I got to have more. I was a slave. I was a slave. But God delivered me. Has he delivered you? Is he delivering you yet? Some of you folks, I'm just going to share. I stress over this. That you've been in church for 40 years. What was the last thing the Spirit bashed you about? Has anything registered I, I, I suspect some of us, I'm just going to say, I've been preaching here six years. I don't think one thing has registered with some of us. Stresses me. Distresses me. Weighs on me. Makes you wonder, why am I here? Mm, I wonder. <laughs> why are you here? Yoda. Anyway. Anybody listening? Can I just ask a favor? If you sit and, and some of us shut me out, I know you do. Would you just ponder, is there something the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the living God is trying to say to me? Am I stuck? Am I in the routine? Am I kind of flat? When was the last time I got to witness to anybody? When was the last time I had a spiritual conversation with somebody other than the person I sleep with, let's say? Can just ask yourself some questions. Where am I really at? Solve the harvester problem, Bishop Oscar said. I'm telling you how we solve it. Get real. Start living it, letting him change you. When he's changing you, funny how it spills out. I got to keep the microphone away from him. It starts spilling out. Right? And the thing that struck me, and let me just say, what the passage was that I was going to use is the story of David. You know, he's a man after God's own heart, and you know what happened to him. You know the big one, right? 
And Nathan the prophet gets sent to him. So those of you who read the text, you know that's what it's about. But here's what struck me. Where were his band of brothers? You know, they all go out to war. All the, all the, Joab, go out there and kick those guys' butts out there. Go ahead. I'm actually going to stay home, drink a few beers, watch a few, uh, you know, Netflix. And he's bored in the middle of the night and he walks out. Oh, you know, he's getting that old, you know, king pot belly there. And he's like looking around. Oh, he sees something he shouldn't be looking at. And he doesn't do what we should do, which is this way Lord, you're amazing. That is a beautiful woman. What a great invention you made in women. You know, the gift of women to the other. Remember what Gary said, the gift of male to female, female to male. Some of us can't even get our brains around that. We need some healing. Instead of saying, what a beautiful gift, belongs to somebody else, not me. And curbing his appetite mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, he goes in the wrong direction. And here's the one that kills me. His messengers. Find out who that is. Is this not Uriah the Hittite's wife, who, by the way, was one of his original 33 inside defenders? Shame on him. And not one of them said, what are you doing? Uh, Oh, king, (laughs) I know that you could take my head off in an instant, but could I ask, what are you doing? And Joab, out at the front, Put Uriah up in the front. Pull back so he gets killed. What I noticed with Gary and Melissa's testimonies and some of the things that's starting to happen is going from an inward, it's all about me focus, to an outward focus. Because people, did you notice that Gary and Melissa's stories are tough and some of it tragic? And yet, what did it do? It poured life into us. And your story as you grow, whether it's big or small, major scandalous sins or really nice, squeaky clean inside the church, respectable sins. When you start getting free, it goes from here, it's all about me, to I want to see you get free. I saw that movement and I had a light come on. I said, there's discipleship. Discipleship is not about living your own life and being happy and content and dying in an American grave. It's about what you can pour into others, your brothers and sisters and those who are not yet your brothers and sisters. So I'm encouraging us to get on it. That's enough. Would you stand with me as we pray? And as always, I don't want to grieve the Spirit in any way because people have been praying at this altar and it's open every time. Elders and deacons and others would be here to pray with you. I'll be up here. You come and do business with God as the Lord leads you. Nobody knows what your issue is and who cares what they think anyway. Lord Jesus, you are stirring among us and we are grateful My wife and I have been commenting on the sense of anticipation and the sense of encouragement, just like Corey was witnessing to this morning before he prayed, that, Lord, you are stirring among us, and we are energized by that and so grateful, so grateful. I'm asking that you do not let up. 
I'm asking that you make us into a band of brothers and sisters who will turn even to the king and say, what are you doing? And by the way, I want to go on with Jesus. I want him to have everything. How about you? Do you want to come with me? And Lord, let Pinocchio become a real boy. That's what we need. Continue striving with us, working with us, and building us up in our most holy faith. Help us to remember, we don't have to solve all this in 10 minutes. Just help us to do the next thing you say. Send us with your peace and your Holy Spirit's pursuing. We'll thank you, God, because we will be better, happier, healthier, more powerful and more encouraged than ever before if we walk your way instead of our way. Help us, we pray. Put your angels around your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. We're up here if you want to pray. Talk to anyone.